the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you so much for being with us as we get rolling now at eight minutes past nine o'clock on this Monday, the 13th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2020. I trust you had a blessed Easter celebration yesterday, and you were able to, um, well, you can do what you normally do, obviously. I know a lot of people like to gather in huge family gatherings that are outlawed now uh, in the state of Ohio and really across the country, but hopefully you were able to celebrate with the immediate family that you have and were able to uh, experience it. Um, we did the virtual mass. Uh, we did it yesterday. We watched it as a family. We gathered around the big screen, plugged the computer into the big screen, and uh, and watched mass, and uh, I know millions of Americans did the same thing. We make do with what we can during these trying times. So I hope you were able to celebrate the Holy Weekend and particularly the Easter celebration in the way that you wanted. And I really appreciate you being with us this morning. Coming up in about 40 minutes, we're going to talk to Congressman Jim Jordan as we do each and every Monday at about 948. Hopefully, the massive windstorms that are um, going to be blasting through the south. We know what happened yesterday. At least 12 people killed in tornadoes um, in the south. Uh, were among victims, you know, a lot of other victims who did not lose their lives but lost uh, unfathomable amounts of property and uh, their injuries and other things going on. And the winds apparently are just going to get stronger and head up this direction all the way up the East Coast and, yes, into the Midwest where we are as well. We're supposed to have some seriously strong gusts that we are told is going to knock out power to a number of places today at some point. Uh, so uh, hopefully that will be later rather than sooner. If it does happen, we don't want it to happen at all. We never want to be without power. But uh, over the course of the next two hours, obviously, 
We want to be able to uh, give you the latest news and information and uh, some conversation about what's going on. So Congressman Jim Jordan at 948 this morning, and we're going to talk to Rob Walgate, my friend from the AP Roundtable and the Ohio Roundtable as well. Uh, he's got some thoughts on what's going on in the state of Ohio and what our governor, Mike DeWine, is doing. And we, by the way, are scheduled to talk to the governor of the state of Ohio on Wednesday's program at 1010, so just two days away from a conversation that I've been looking forward to for some time, as you know. Uh, I have not been a, a huge fan of some of the decisions that our governor has made. Early on, I was, hey, you know what, let's let's do what we have to do. Um, but uh, considering the fact that so many of the models have been wrong, uh, that have been used in Ohio and have been used around the country, uh, it's time to reevaluate the decisions that were made, and I'm going to encourage the governor to do exactly that on uh, on Wednesday. So uh, I want to start today by by saying this, speaking of modeling being wrong, speaking of mistakes being made, speaking of uh, all kinds of fear and panic and hysteria sweeping the country and, quite frankly, being pushed by two entities, the medical community, not the frontline doctors, when I say medical community, by the way, the doctors and nurses who are treating COVID-19 patients and, believe it or not, other people are getting sick and other people are getting injured, and other people are dealing with disease not related to COVID-19, and our medical professionals have to help them as well. Nobody talks about them. Nobody talks about other people being sick of things other than COVID. Apparently, nobody gets the flu anymore, and nobody gets pneumonia anymore. Those things are just, you know, because they're similar in terms of respiratory ailments, uh, they're similar to COVID, so they're just categorized as COVID-19, the Chinese flu, or the Chinese uh, coronavirus, rather. Uh, so, you know, we know that the frontline workers are already taxed, and we know that the doctors and nurses are the truest heroes among us. But the ones that we are talking about, that I'm talking about, are the doctors that no longer practice doctoring. Doctors that no longer actually see patients or conduct research, but they are public faces of health boards. People like Dr. Fauci, people like Dr. Burks, excuse me, and people like Dr. Acton, uh, the head of the Ohio Department of Health. These individuals who are as much politicians as they are doctors any longer are the ones that I'm talking about. And I'm here to say right now today that while I have been very, very critical of some of the stuff that we have heard from Dr. Acton and her kindergarten teacher voice, and while I've been critical of some of the things we have heard from Dr. Fauci, and I have been praising of other things that we have heard from Dr. Fauci, which is exactly the problem, while I've been critical, I've never said this, um, that I'm going to say now, and that is it is time to move on from Dr. Fauci. And if you want to use the hashtag fire Fauci, okay, maybe it sounds a little aggressive. But for me, I will say it is time to move on from Dr. Fauci. I don't think Dr. Fauci can and should be a part of the uh, White House Coronavirus Task Force response team. I do not believe he is in, acting in the best interest of the country. I think Dr. Fauci, and, and let me let me back, take two steps back here. What I said a moment ago when I said I've been very critical of some of the things Dr. Fauci has said, and I've been very praising of other things he has said, that is in and of itself the problem. Dr. Fauci is telling us one thing on Tuesday and a different thing on Wednesday, and then by Friday it's going back to the other thing. Dr. Fauci is not a reliable source for the president to be advising the president rather on decisions on public policy. 
because he simply cannot be trusted to be consistent. What do I mean by that? Well, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, you've heard me explain this. I've quoted Dr. Fauci on a number of occasions, being critical of President Trump and then praising President Trump for the very same things that he was critical of a couple of days ago. It makes me wonder if Dr. Fauci, who is in his early 80s, not that that is, of course, the uh, you know determining factor as to whether or not somebody is senile, because there are a lot of people in their 90s or even over 100 are sharp as a tack. And Dr. Fauci sometimes sounds as sharp as a tack. But the fact that one day he will say that Donald Trump should have taken this a little bit more seriously in the beginning and we could have saved lives, and another day he'll say Donald Trump took this from the ver- very seriously from the very beginning, it makes you wonder, wait a minute, are there two of you? Was one of you in on one conversation with the president and another, the other of you in another conversation? Are there two Dr. Fauci's? Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the leading infectious disease specialist in this country, we are told, one who has been a part of the advisory teams on matters of health and infection for the last five presidents going back to Reagan, Dr. Fauci can no longer be trusted. How do we know this? Here is how we know this. Yesterday, on CNN, talking to Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper doing what CNN does, trying to get guests to criticize Donald Trump. It's just part of their MO. They make these decisions in their newsrooms. They make these decisions in their editorial rooms. They make these decisions in the news directors and in the, all of the, the, the big, biggest corner offices of CNN. And they hand these walking orders, or these marching orders, rather, uh, to uh, the anchors, and they say, go to work, get this message out there, and, and every guest that comes on, ask them this question, this question, and this question, get them to bash Trump. Well, CNN's Jake Tapper followed his orders. The New York Times reported yesterday that, that you and other top officials wanted to recommend social and physical distancing guidelines to President Trump as far back as the third week of February. Uh, but the uh, administration didn't announce such guidelines to the American public until March 16th, almost a month later. Why? You know, Jake, as I've said many times, we look at it from a pure health standpoint. We make a recommendation. Often the recommendation is taken. Sometimes it's not. But we, it is what it is. We are where we are right now. Do you think lives could have been saved uh, if social distancing, physical distancing, stay-at-home measures had started third week of February instead of mid-March? You know, Jake, again, it's the what would have, what could have. It's very difficult to go back and say that. I mean, obviously, you could logically say that if you had a process that was ongoing and you started mitigation earlier, you could have saved lives. Obviously, no one is going to deny that. But what goes into those kinds of decisions is, is complicated. But Now, <clears throat> the money line there that the media has seized upon and that I am seizing upon is when Jake Tapper asks him, could lives have been saved had mitigation, social distancing, etc., started earlier? And Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, saying, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to argue that if you'd have done it earlier, that lives could have been saved, but it's very complicated. The money line is that, yes, lives could have been saved if they started earlier. So the media runs with Trump cost people their lives because Trump didn't listen to Dr. Fauci earlier. 
But Fauci leaves himself a little bit of wiggle room here, doesn't he? When he says it's a lot more complicated than you understand. And the reason why he has to leave that wiggle room and not just completely and totally put this on President Trump is because he knows that the record is already there on him. That in late February, he contributed an article to the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine in which he said and declared that this particular virus looks to be no worse than a severe seasonal flu. That is what he and some of his fellow physicians, or physician uh, activists now, wrote. So he can't just say, hey, we told Trump that he needed to start social distancing earlier, because he didn't. He didn't at all. As a matter of fact, in late January, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said in an interview that the virus was not a major threat to the United States. Newsmax anchor Greg Kelly asked Dr. Anthony Fauci on January 21st, quote, bottom line, we don't have to worry about this one, right? Answer, quote, Obviously, you need to take it seriously and do the kinds of things that the CDC and the Department of Homeland Security are doing, but this is not a major threat for the people of the United States, and this is not something that the citizens of the United States right now should be worried about. Dr. Fauci, almost on a, on a weekly basis, has changed his position on how serious this is or this was going to get. And now that it got very serious, or one could argue that it didn't get as serious as it was projected to by the faulty and flawed models, but now that we do see the number of cases and the number of deaths that we have, whether those numbers are accurate or not, accurate or not, you have people like Tapper and MSNBC and Chuck Todd and all the rest trying to get these doctors to throw Trump under the bus, saying Trump didn't follow your earlier guidelines, right? And Fauci's kind of like, right, I guess a little, but it's really complicated because he himself, in the early going, in January, and even throughout the month of February, did not recommend social distancing or any other mitigation because he didn't think it was a major threat for the people of the United States of America. It's just that simple. And oh, by the way, it wasn't just Fauci who felt that way. The director of CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Robert Redfield, told Brian Kilmeade on Fox News last month that he agreed with Fauci's assessment at the time. The CDC said nobody could have predicted the outbreak that would eventually occur in the United States. Quote, obviously. That became corrected as they saw in the first three to four weeks in January that human-to-human spread was not only occurring, it's actually, as I said, more infectious than I think that led to that situation that we're in today. I think no one could have predicted how transmissible and how infectious this virus really is. So Fauci said there was no serious direct threat to the people of the United States. The director of the CDC said nobody could have predicted this. But now Fauci is on Fox News yesterday, April 12th, 
or not Fox News, beg your pardon, he is on CNN yesterday telling Jake Tapper that, yes, he agrees with Jake. Lives could have been saved if President Trump had followed uh, recommendations earlier. There were no recommendations earlier. And it's for that reason that I believe and I agree with President Trump, who retweeted a tweet that included the hashtag Fire Fauci, that it is time for Dr. Anthony Fauci to go. He has outlived his usefulness in this situation. He cannot be trusted to not play politics with this, to not give in to the media, and to tell the consistent truth about what he knew and what they told the president and when. I want your reactions to this at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. The Bob France Authority, right back. It's time for Fauci to move on. If you don't want to call it a firing, he's no longer a positive, productive member of the White House Coronavirus Response Task Force. He is, in fact, a negative force in this because of his complete inconsistency, his lack of transparency, and his lack of honesty when it comes to talking to the media. There has not been a camera yet that he will not grab and put his face in front of. It doesn't matter who it is. He'll do it on uh, conservative uh, uh, shows. He'll do it on liberal shows. He'll do it on mainstream TV. He'll do it on cable TV. And he just loves to talk. And because he loves to talk, he kind of forgets what he has already said in the past. He has contradicted himself enough times uh, that he has become counterproductive to the mission. Dr. Fauci, again on CNN yesterday, said... We've been saved uh, if social distancing, physical distancing, stay-at-home measures had started third week of February instead of mid-March. That's um, that's Jake Tapper, by the way, his uh, beginning of that, which was cut off. He said, could lives have been saved if social distancing had been started in mid-February rather than mid-March? You know, Jake, again, it's the what would have, what could have. It's very difficult to go back and say that. I mean, obviously, you could logically say that if you had a process that was ongoing and you started mitigation earlier, you could have saved lives. And that's all the media needed to hear is, that, oh, Fauci says Trump could have saved lives if he'd have done something earlier in February as opposed to doing something in March. Here's the problem. Even the Today Show's record, even the Today's Today Show, NBC, mainstream media, even their record proves that Dr. Anthony Fauci cannot be trusted because on their show on February 29th, the Today Show, Dr. Fauci, on the coronavirus, said there was no need to change our lifestyle yet. No need. The threat was minuscule to the American people. February 29th, no need to change our lifestyle yet. He's on television, and it's still on the NBC Today Show's website. I'm looking at it right now, and I'll play it for you after the bottom of the hour. But Dr. Fauci said on February 29th, no need to change our lifestyle. He ran that article in the New England Journal of Medicine on February 27th. This is going to be no worse than than a severe seasonal flu. Dr. Anthony Fauci totally played down the threat of the coronavirus throughout the month of January and throughout the month of February. And now in April is saying Donald Trump could have saved lives had he started mitigation sooner. 
There's an article in the Washington Examiner this morning written by Representatives Andy Biggs and Ken Buck asking this question, is Anthony Fauci helping or hurting? Is that really a question anymore? Back after the news. We continue now, AM fourteen twenty. The answer. If you're on hold, I'm coming right to you. But let me get a couple of more quick points in. I want to stay on Dr. Fauci as to whether or not he is a productive member of the Coronavirus Response Task Force, or if he is now a counterproductive uh, member uh, because of his constant back and forth about whether or not Trump did the right thing, the wrong thing, whether they acted in time, whether they didn't act in time. He is just all over the place, and most importantly. His models and the models that he has relied upon to recommend to the president social distancing guidelines that have shut down the country uh, have been wrong. They have been they have been um, flawed to say the very least, completely unreliable to be a little bit stronger. And now here's another reason I think it's time for Dr. Fauci to depart. Dr. Fauci is now joining the Democrats' call for mail-in voting. At least that's how this can be interpreted when he says we may not be able to go physically go to the polls in November. Do you think it will be safe in November for voters to physically go to vote at the polls? I hope so, Jake. I, I can't guarantee it. I believe that if we have a good measured way of rolling into this steps towards normality that we hope by the time we get to November that we'll be able to do it in a way which is the standard way. However, and I don't want to be the pessimistic person, there is always a possibility as that as we get into next fall and the beginning of early winter that we could see a rebound. And hopefully, hopefully, what we've gone through now and the capability that we have for much, much better testing capability, much, much better seroSurveillance capability, and the ability to respond with countermeasures, with drugs that work, that it will be an entirely different ballgame. So Dr. Fauci is hopeful but cannot guarantee and says that, you know, there is the possibility of a rebound, so we may not be able to vote safely in person in November. Well, let's talk about what happens if we can't. If we can't vote early, or excuse me, in person in November, and we are forced into Nancy Pelosi's vote-by-mail dream, the Democrats are dreaming of somebody to advise, like Dr. Fauci, that we cannot vote in person so that we can, make, we can only vote by mail. It's their dream. Why? Because it's the only way... Their cheating, lying behinds can guarantee victory. Evidence. Just out yesterday. Federal data. 16.4 million mail-in ballots went missing in the 2016 and 2018 elections. And that's unlimited mail-in ballots from obviously people who had to mail in because they could not go to the polls in person, whether because of health, whether because of being relocated out of state or out of, out of the country or whatever the case might be, and they had to mail in their ballots. 
with limited voting. 16.4 million mail-in ballots went missing. This data from the U.S. Election Assistance Commission and the Election Administration and voting surveys for 2016 and 2018 provided by the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Between those two elections, 16 million ballots went missing. If you're voting to re-elect Donald Trump this November, are you confident that when you put your stamp on this thing and send it in the mail, do you really? Are you really confident your vote's going to get where it needs to get and it's going to be counted? Because I'm not. And and let's ask this as well. Are you confident that the 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 94-year-old grandpa or great-grandpa down the block who's got a liberal uh, daughter-in-law who helps take care of him, are you confident that when he fills out his ballot, it's going to be his ballot being filled out and not the daughter-in-law who gets the mail for him? And Yes, that's just an anecdotal example, and it's, an, and it's a hypothetical, of course. But let's be honest. Voter fraud is real. And it's real, and it takes place when we vote in person. Listen to all the liberal Democrats complaining whenever we have to clean up the voter rolls, as required by law, by the way, and get people who haven't voted for six years or longer and people who are dead off of the ballots or off of the uh, the voter rolls. Every time we try to clean up voter registrations, they complain. We're trying to disenfranchise people. They try to cheat with the vote all the time, and now they want to do it by mail. And here comes their hero, Dr. Fauci, saying, yeah, we could have a rebound in the fall. We may not be able to vote in person. And guess what happens? If President Trump and the Congress don't come together on something, some way to guarantee people's security and safety if they vote in person, they're going to scream, you listen to the doctors, listen to the doctors. The doctors say this isn't safe. And they're going to go ahead and cave in and and vote by mail and give Nancy Pelosi her, her most wild dreams coming true. I mean, honestly, this is, I know I'm kind of getting off into a tangent here with the voting uh, by mail, but Dr. Fauci doing and saying things, quite frankly, as I say, that are completely counterproductive to the mission here. It's time for Dr. Fauci to go. And I mentioned President Trump retweeted a tweet from, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Let me see if I can pull it up here real fast. Yeah, he retweeted last night a tweet from... Deanna Lorraine, there she is. She's a former Republican congressional candidate who ran against Nancy Pelosi on California. And she called out Fauci in her tweet and reminded everybody that in late, same stuff I told you about, that in late February, Dr. Fauci said there was nothing to worry about because it posed, the coronavirus posed no threat to the U.S. public at large. And then she hashtagged her tweet with Fire Fauci. President Trump retweeted that meaning it's in his mind, and the left, of course, is going crazy, the idea that President Trump would fire Dr. Anthony Fauci. I say, President Trump, pull the trigger. It's time. Well, I was just about to go to phone call, uh, but I am told I cannot go to the phone call now at 943. Uh, We have to clear the decks for Congressman Jim Jordan. Okay, if you're on hold, stay there. I'll come to you as soon as I'm done with Congressman Jordan. He will join us to talk about all of these things coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer.
948, now we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for being with us. And uh, as it is 948, it's time for our regular 948 guest. He is Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative. He is Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Hope, uh, hope you and your family had a wonderful Easter weekend. We did indeed. And you? Yeah, real good. Real good. Good to hear, Congressman. Okay, let's get down to business here. Um the big money line yesterday in the uh, Sunday morning news cycle, of course, it doesn't take a day off even for Easter, the opportunity to trash President Trump. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the uh, leading infectious disease specialist, we are told, in the United States of America, who has counseled five presidents on matters of pandemics and epidemics and so on and so forth, was asked by Jake Tapper if lives could have been saved if social distancing guidelines had been implemented back in February. And this was the response. So what would have, what could have, it's very difficult to go back and say that. I mean, obviously, you could logically say that if you had a process that was ongoing and you started mitigation earlier, you could have saved lives. That's all the left leftist media needed to hear, yeah, Congressman, right. uh, in order to yeah. say Donald Trump didn't act in time. Lives were lost as a result of that. But what they are not reporting is what I've been doing all morning long is that Dr. Anthony Fauci himself, as recently as February 29th, was on television on the Today Show and saying, this is not a threat to the general public. This is not something where we need to change <laughs> yeah. our way of life. Dr. Yeah. Fauci now is saying that we should have started a long time earlier and, and recommendations weren't followed, but he was not making those recommendations. Yeah, but I mean, this is the left. I mean, this is the mainstream press. Of course, they're gonna <clears throat> they're gonna take one part of a statement and take it out of context. They're not gonna report the truth because they've been out to get the president since uh, before. We've talked about this many times on your show. Before he was ever elected, remember they started in the summer of 2016 when they went and spied on two people associated with his campaign, and we know how wrong that was. And all kinds of evidence continues to come out to show that. So it, it shouldn't surprise us that they're gonna lie again. They're gonna misrepresent things. Because uh, they want to go after this president. Look, it was this president who said when the, when the Democrats were telling him not to, it was this president who said we're going to shut down travel into this country from China. It was this president who took actions when 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 Nancy Pelosi was saying come to San Francisco. When other people were saying okay, it's fine to go to go to the Mardi Gras. When other people were saying all those things, Democrats and and the press wasn't wasn't saying anything about that. Uh, it was Donald Trump who was shutting down travel from China. So uh, they can they can Monday morning quarterback this all they want. But most Americans, I think, know that the mainstream press has been out to get the president since before he was even elected as president of the United States. Congressman, let me focus a little bit more on Dr. Fauci here, because I've asked you in the past what I'm going to ask you now, too, and that is about you know when, when, when it's time to reopen the country again, or at least when to start the reopening of the country in various sectors of business to get people back to work, etc. And you have said consistently, well, we need to listen to the doctors, listen to the health professionals. And I agree to an extent. Well, but if one of those yeah. health professionals is Dr. Fauci, who is, is completely, and, 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 and look, your colleagues wrote uh, uh, an op-ed, um, Andy Biggs and Ken Buck wrote an op-ed for the Washington Examiner yeah. for, for Saturday, is Anthony Fauci helping or hurting? He has admitted that the models he relies upon are unreliable. Right. He has admitted right. that he has not taken into consideration any economic costs or any social or societal uh, uh, upheaval as a result of these decisions. So I guess my question to you is, should we still be listening to the health professionals when making well, these decisions if one of them is Dr. Fauci? Well, what I've said all along is I think it, where, where you are at, where the president said is, is I've repeated what the president said. We should, we should listen to the health profession, uh, professionals, but we also can't have the cure be worse than the problem. We can't have the cure be worse than the disease, which is the president said that three weeks ago, and he is exactly right. And you're now starting to see, and I think this is appropriate, you're seeing governors say, wait a minute, the governor of Texas is saying, we're, we're going to start opening up our economy. You had a colleague from uh, 
uh, a friend of mine who's a state senator do a letter to, to Governor DeWine on Friday saying, hey, West Central Ohio is different than New York City. It's different than, than, than downtown Columbus. Um, why, why don't we begin to let businesses go back into operation here in West Central Ohio? So I think that is entirely appropriate. That's, that's common sense. Um, and and uh, th- I think that's where the president is. And I, the president has been clear. He wants to start opening this thing back up as quickly as possible. And I'm hopeful, frankly. Well, we, we should step back and say it this way. There are some states that never shut down. Some states out west with much more uh, sparsely populated uh, areas, they've never shut down. So I, I think that's how we got to look at this. And you're exactly right. we got to get this economy up and moving as quickly as we possibly can. To that end, the president back on Thursday, I want to say it was announced, that he is going to form another task force. The get, oh, I'm, I have to paraphrase the name. I think it was like Open Up America again or something like that. Uh, task force. In other words, an economic yep. task force to figure out the best way to do this. Um, do you think that's the best approach to have two competing task forces, one working on the coronavirus, one working on the economy, rather than having a a kind of a compilation of those two? So you have economists and health professionals working together to make this decision. I'll leave that to I'll leave that to the White House, to to the President, to my my uh, my good friend who's the chief of staff, uh, Mr. Meadows, um, how they're going to put that together. I don't second guess that at all. What I do know is what I just said is it is time to get the country back to work. Um, you know, the president, I think, was right on target when he used that statement three weeks ago, I think three weeks ago today, in fact, uh, where he said the cure cannot be worse than the disease. This is a serious problem. We all understand that. We know what, what it does to people if they get the virus. We also know what it's doing to our economy, and we've got to get people back to work ASAP and um, do it in a, in a safe way. Do it, you know, we now we've, we've learned a whole new way of doing things here with social distancing and, and the ways we interact with you can you can do that, but, but why are some businesses allowed to be open? I mean, you know, you think about it. You got the, the, the you got the, the people who produce the food. You got the, the the people who process the food. You got the truckers who haul the food. You got the people who put put it on the warehouse and put it on the shelves and stack it. And more. they're all working hard, but yet other other people aren't allowed to go back to work if they would maintain the same kind of uh, work environment and distancing uh, requirements that that those people are doing. So. I think it's time to, to start moving in that direction just as quickly as we possibly can, and I think that's where the White House is as well. Congressman, before we get all of that stuff open up again, we have to provide relief uh, for those who are suffering. Obviously, the CARES bill, which uh, you know, I guess those checks mm-hmm. are supposed to go out maybe as early as this week to, to some direct deposit accounts, which is a good thing. Yeah. But the small business owners are the ones who are suffering the most, and the Senate Democrats have done it again. Uh, they have blocked a bill, a $250 billion yeah. small business loans bill that is supposed to go to those people most directly impacted right now. Small businesses who want to stay open need to survive yep. this period of time while they're closed so that there is something to open again eventually. Uh, and the, the Democrats have blocked it, insisting on more money for different things that, quite frankly, are not in threat, in jeopardy right now, who are not underfunded right now. And that would include, believe it or not, the health care industry and a lot of the hospitals yep. they want to throw this money to. Um, what are we going to do? How are we going to get this money to the small business owners if the Democrats continue to play uh, the obstructionists? you got to talk about it. Look, this is how it works in American politics. You've got to highlight it for the American people. If Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and the Democrats want to say we're going to hold up money for a program that we know goes to small business owners who've been put out of business because of this virus, because the government told them you couldn't operate your business, if they're going to hold that up because they want their Green New Deal and they want all these other left-wing things that, that, that today's left is, is enamored with, then – then we need to just highlight that because it happened last week. Senator McConnell tried to put additional dollars into that one specific program, which is the one area we should definitely have money for 
uh, business owners and, and, the, and the families and, and the people are impacted by that because we shut them down. We, the government, shut them down uh, because of this virus, and yet Schumer said no. So you, you just got to talk about it. But, but again, this is the left. There's, they don't want to ever miss an opportunity to grow government during some kind of crisis. In fact, Rahm Emanuel said it. So uh, we just got to highlight and talk about it and, and try to win the debate. The only way you win the debate in American politics is you, you highlight it, you talk about it, and the American people pressure then the elected members of, of Congress and say, hey, no, no, forget all that baloney. Just pass the, just pass the money for the uh, pay, Paycheck Protection Program. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan this morning. Congressman, last thing on all of this this morning. Um, Senator Tom Cotton <clears throat> wrote an op-ed. Uh, no, I'm sorry, he didn't make write an op-ed. This is written about his uh, mm-hmm. comments, about making the Chinese Communist Party pay. Uh, there has to be a price to be sure. paid here. And I don't even know if it's just dollars and cents. I don't know how that can happen. But, but in all seriousness, uh, the World Health Organization and uh, the Communist government of China are are kind of co-conspirators in keeping this thing hidden, uh, not announcing mm-hmm. to the rest of the world that they knew it was transmissible in human-to-human contact. And they literally are responsible for millions and millions of cases around the world and thousands yep. and thousands of deaths. Uh, the senator wants to hold them accountable. How can we do that? You start with the money. Why should we give them the money? I, I think maybe I shared this last last week when we were on. I got a colleague who who, who says it best. You know, you don't have to. We, we don't have to pay organizations uh, uh, to hate us. They'll probably do it for free, right? So we don't have to pay. We don't have to pay these uh, some of these countries. And and when we talk about certain types of foreign aid, and and certainly the World Health Organization, we, we don't have to pay them to lie to us. They'll probably do that for free. So uh, why should we be the biggest contributor there? And the president's right to question that. And he said that he said last week at this press one of the press events that he's going to look at that, that make a decision, look at that decision this week. Uh, you start with the money, for goodness sake. Why should we be sending the hard-earned tax dollars of Americans to an organization who systematically lied to us because China wanted them to lie to us? That's what took place. So uh, you start with the money. I think we, we did a we did a letter uh, last week. Some of us uh, uh, in, in the House talking about this thing. So. That, that is a real concern of ours going forward. And I tell you what else, Bob. We did a we did an op-ed today. Just just came out. We did an op-ed today, and the, the title is "Don't Forget Freedom." And you think about some of the things we have seen. This I think this is important as well. Important component to all this. Think about what's happened in the last two weeks. Over the weekend, you had the governor of Kentucky say that he was going to have people, uh, police, take pictures of people who went to church on Easter Sunday, their license plate, and then that there were going to be ramifications for those people. The governor doing that to his to his folks. You had Garcetti, the mayor of L.A., say. Snitching will be rewarded, right? Tattletale on your neighbors if you happen, someone happens to leave their house when they're not, not, not supposed to. You had, a, you had a prosecutor here in Ohio, in one of our largest counties, say he was going to charge people with felonies. And he also said if, in fact, he was governor, he would call out the National Guard on people who went to church on Sunday. And, of course, all that is in the context of where Google said two weeks ago, uh, we can track people and we're willing to share that information with government. So at the same time, this thing is serious, and we've got to do everything we can to deal with it, and we've got to get our country back to work. We also have to safeguard fundamental liberty. It's the, it's the hallmark of this great country, and I'm nervous about all that, particularly when all that happens in a climate where we just learned, and we talked about this last week, where we just learned every single FISA application the inspector general looked at had a problem with it, every single one. So that's the environment. We've got to be serious about uh, protecting liberty as we're dealing with this, with this terrible virus, as we're trying to work on getting the country back to work. 
Uh, those are great examples. There are dozens and dozens of examples in all of the states that are shut down of, of just draconian uh, uh, ideas, you know, penalties uh, for for you know, people dri- even doing a drive up church service. You can drive up and get a hamburger, and that's okay. Drive up yeah. and get blessed. No, we're gonna we're gonna. Find- there are dozens of examples of that. Last thing, as far as our, one of our most fundamental and sacred rights, of course, is the right to vote. And uh, going to, back to Dr. Fauci, he's the latest to talk about this, saying, "I'm not sure we can vote in person in November. It just might not be safe enough to do that because there might be a." rebound do you trust a vote by mail system if we have to vote by mail in november i i do not want that to happen i do not want that to happen it's it, maybe you can do it in a, in a short-term election with with you know I, I know in ohio that the general assembly is saying just the rest of this primary is going to be done just by mail-in uh you know some people walked in and did their ballots early that's how we did ours because we thought we were going to be gone you know on, on election um uh week when it happened so uh, that's one thing, but to have it be total mail-in, I am totally against that. I think the, the potential for for harm is is real. Um, and I, I'm totally against that, uh, and, and I, I I just I just don't think that's again that's not fundamental to how this country works. You 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 go and vote on election day in November that 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 first Tuesday after the first Monday uh, in the in the even numbered years you go vote in person. That's the way it should be. The speaker is pushing hard for it, which to me lets you know all you need to know about whether or not it's a good yep. idea. Yep. Con- Congressman Jordan, thank you very much, good sir. I appreciate you. you all right. Thank you, Congressman Jordan on AM fourteen twenty. The answer it's ten oh one. Let's catch up now and get to our news and your phone calls immediately following. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.